I'm prepared. I'm ready for some high school football on Friday night. We'll go a little bit more in depth coming up next hour. Uh, but right now, let's get back to the topic du jour, the story of the day, Oklahoma OSU. It is Bedlam on Saturday in Norman. I would stay tuned to this here very radio station, Josh Helmer, because your boy may have procured a couple of tickets and wants to take care of a member of the Plank Show crew. We don't get T-shirts. Let me rephrase that. We don't have T-shirts that have any anything cool. But I might got us some tickets to give away on the show tomorrow. How about stay that? Wow. Look at us. Unless you need two tickets, Josh, let me know. Joey Helmer joins us right now on the show from OUinsider.com. Joey, we need positive vibes. I know they're not necessarily there, but from the assistants on Monday to the players Monday night to Brent Venables on Tuesday, what's kind of been the the vibe around the three media avails to wrap up the final home game of 2022? Well, I, for what it's worth, I, I – don't get the feeling that this is a team that's just totally given up. And as negative as things are right now, I mean, it, this is a five and five football team, guys. Like, yeah. I mean, it would be easy for them to walk out on that practice field right now and not care, right? And I, I just, I feel like there's a sense of pride from the guys that I've talked to. And so if there's anything that, makes me feel like they have a good performance in them, it's that. They are prideful. I think Eric Gray is the, the most prideful. Uh, look, look at his performance last week. I, I almost feel sorry for uh, a guy that runs for 211 yards and two touchdowns and uh, does so in a losing effort. And so um, I, I think really rally around that guy if, if you're Oklahoma right now and say, Hey, we got to get you a win. We, we got to get all of you guys a win on senior night. And so um, that's the positive aspect of things. If that's what you're looking for, I don't think this is a team that's just totally uh, mailed it in uh, with two games to go. You are working on a piece about the state of the program and where it is. Um, I know it hasn't printed yet or posted yet, or at least I don't think it has. But can you kind of give us an idea, Joey, without giving too much of it away? I know 5-5 five and five is unacceptable, but how dire, in your opinion, is the state of this program? You know, this is nearly a 3,000-word piece that I kind of put in – had in my brain – I had – so much running through my mind um, after that loss last week, and it was like, okay, it now now is finally time. We we've really got to kind of to use a uh, Brent Venables uh, quote, strip this thing down to the studs, and let's try and be real about this thing and exactly where uh, Oklahoma is as a program right now. And so, um, yeah, I, I put it together, and it, it kind of details in my estimation, what the issues are right now, what, what's going on, how this team is 5-5, five and five, and uh, quite frankly, how this program um, hasn't won a national championship in so long. Uh, I wrote that story a couple of years ago, Chris. Um, it, it was right about the time the pandemic had hit, and uh, Oklahoma was going on its 20th season without a national championship, and um, I had – a part of this, you know, I'll 
let people know this, um, recruiting was a, a factor in that story and how things had dropped off some. And so I kind of tied that back in and um, just put pen to paper here, and I, I will be posting that this afternoon. So um, it, it just details at least my thoughts on where things are and exactly how things, in my opinion, have gotten to absolute rock bottom. I understand a lot of programs would not consider 5-5 five and five rock bottom, but when you're talking about one of the winningest programs of all time, a 500 record with two games to go, that's what it is, in my opinion. So, okay, let, let's let's parse through some of the things that we see quite a bit. Is this an issue of poor recruiting in Joey's opinion on the defensive side of the football over the last five to six years is part of that to blame here. Absolutely. It hundred percent is. Um, I think too, that I'm going to throw Brent Venables a little bit of a bone. I know people don't really want to hear this, but he's got a system that he's trying to put in place. And, I've made it very clear that there have been good players on that side of the ball, okay? I'm not um, trying to say everyone that we're throwing out um, that we're talking about right now. I mean, look, I'll give you some examples. Kenneth Murray, uh, Nick Manito, Perion Winfrey, those are good, good players. But when you look at the depth of Oklahoma's roster compared to Alabama or Georgia, I mean, just look at the, the numbers of first-round draft picks that uh, those programs are producing, and that has not been the case for Oklahoma. So, yes, recruiting is absolutely a factor. And then uh, also now Brent Venables is coming into a situation where he's trying to establish his defense, his identity, what he wants to do on that side of the ball. And a lot of these players, quite frankly, in my opinion, don't fit that. And so um, they're, they're working, they're waiting through that. Who, who are the fits? I think Danny Stetson's absolutely one of those guys. Um, but that's where I think a few weeks from now you're going to see some defections. Uh, that's a reality of it to me. And so uh, there's just so many things that go into this right now uh, where Oklahoma is at and yeah, d- defensively, recruiting has been a part of it. We're hanging out with Joey Helmer, OUinsider.com. Okay, Joey, let's talk a little bit about the quarterback position. During the Tuesday presser, Coach Venables talked about how you know they're set, they don't need to go in the portal for a quarterback, and it seemed to set a lot of people off. I My point was, hey, they, they believe in Dylan Gabriel, He's had a year under his belt now. Uh, Nick Evers has had a year. You're bringing in Jackson Arnold. Davis Bevel is still going to be around, and I understand the the kind of feeling around him. But I, I don't necessarily know if you're in a position right now with with the quarterback position where people should be as outraged as they appear to be that they're not going to hit the portal for a quarterback. What say you? Well, and this is, I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, this is a part of the story is that I think you look at his stats. He's thrown for more than 200, uh, excuse me, 2,200 yards and 16 touchdowns to four interceptions. Uh, that's really good taking care of the football. Three of those four mm-hmm. picks came in one game. 
He's completing 64% of his passes. Um, you know, th- those are good, good numbers. Uh, I mean, there- there's nothing to gripe about there unless you want to gripe at the long throws that he's missed uh, that, in my opinion, had he hit several of those, <laughs> he could potentially be in the Heisman conversation. Uh, I mean, that makes it a ton of difference when you're dropping a 70-yard touchdown or overthrowing an 80-yard touchdown that skews those numbers. And so, uh, overall, has he been great? I wouldn't say great, uh, but in my opinion, he's not the problem. And uh, you're just seeing a different level of quarterback play when you're comparing to (laughs) Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and, you know, even some of the things uh, Caleb Williams was able to do last year. And so I think that's where that comes in. But you look at the numbers overall, and I think Brent's being fairly realistic about it. It's not all Dylan Gabriel. He's put some of those balls on the money, and they've been dropped. And then you talked about the depth. Yeah, you're bringing in Jackson Arnold. Um, Nick Evers is back. And so I, I, I tend to agree with him, uh, and I know that's not the public sentiment right now. It's like, hey, <laughs> we got to go out and get someone in the portal. But uh, just taking kind of a, more of a macro view, uh, in my opinion, you could see uh, why that, that certainly wouldn't be their number one priority in the portal. Agreed. Agree. Joy Helmer is in the house, OUinsider.com. All right, what have you made of Oklahoma State? What's kind of caught your eye about the Cowboys as we've prepared for Bedlam this weekend? What are you seeing? Is this as simple as, hey, is uh, Spencer Sanders healthy or not? Is, is that what this boiled down, boils down to? Gosh, yes. When I uh, followed the, the fourth quarter of that game uh, in Stillwater last week with Oklahoma State and Iowa State, Spencer Sanders, it, it was interesting how they used him because I, I think they kind of decoyed with him early in the game. They brought him in, and I, it was like a handoff play. And then uh, they they ran him, I think, once in like the third quarter, second or third quarter. And so he hadn't really done anything. And then in the fourth quarter, they bring him in for a drive, and he takes him down, and they score. And Oklahoma State is just – completely different offensively when Spencer Sanders is in the ball game. But so uh, this is uh, another time and situation for Oklahoma where they have got to be sound defending a guy that can take and tuck the ball down and, and run and uh, pick up yards that way. And uh, Brent said the other day, it, it, you know, he's almost just as dangerous when you, you lock those guys up on the outside and, he decides, hey, I'm going to take this thing off for 10 or 15, and that 10 or 15 turns into 30 or 40. And so uh, that's given Oklahoma so many problems this year and in the past year. So that that's key number one to me is you got to keep that guy uh, under wraps and uh, make sure he's contained for, uh, you know, <laughs> consistently throughout. What do you make, Joey, of the fact that, Oklahoma's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite going into this thing. Where are you at with that portion of it? I love that question. It's <laughs> it's something I've been like, – like even last week, Oklahoma being an eight-point favorite in Morgantown, to me, it, it, my head I think was spinning all week trying to figure out what Vegas uh, was seeing uh, with the West Virginia team that had, as bad as they've been, actually – 
scored a lot of points at home this year. And so it was like, what, what are they seeing? Again, this week, it's what is Vegas just trying to uh, say, hey, if that number was a little closer, uh, the, the bets wouldn't be swinging the way they want. I, I don't see how Oklahoma is uh, a touchdown at a point, seven point, whatever it is um, that you said. I, I just, to, to me, it's surprising that the line is that big given what we've seen from Oklahoma in recent weeks. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm spinning, and it's Thursday, and I, I think by Saturday I'll still be spinning until kickoff as to, to what Vegas, what the guys in the desert are thinking about that line. <laughs> but, hey, they're good. They know what they're doing. <laughs> Before we let you go, Joey, non-football related, but a nice bounce back over the last two games for the OU Hoops program. Uh, I know you've been all over it to see Bama Seal kind of not kind of looked apart to see the way they've played. They've rebounded well after that tough opening game loss, haven't they? I think Porter's starting to figure out, and he said this after the first game when they lost. And I know this is another one of those, hey, we we don't really want to hear it kind of things when, when uh, we lose to Sam Houston. But it's going to take a little bit of time in the non-conference to figure out some of the lineups. And right. I think he's, uh, in a matter of a couple games here, figured out some of the lineups he really likes to use. And that was apparent to me the other night. Uh, I thought they were uh, really, really good with how they shared the basketball. Obviously, they, they hit from the outside uh, with consistency. And uh, Bama style, like you said, Grant Sherfield um, scored 15 points. He's a guy that's going to consistently score for Oklahoma this year. And uh, something that stood out to me, so far um, for this group is they are really defending the perimeter well. Uh, UNC Wilmington the other night hit two shots out of 21 from a long range. And each of their first three opponents have been under 30% from the outside. So uh, that's, that's good. You know, with analytics and everything nowadays and, uh, how important the, the three-point ball is. Defend that perimeter, close out, and, and that wins you game. So, to me, that's as important as anything so far uh, with, with Oklahoma and uh, Porter Mosier's group here. All right, bye. Joey, uh, enjoy the final home game of the college football season for Oklahoma. I look forward to your state of the team, the state of the program piece. It'll drop at OU Insider later this afternoon. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you. Joey Helmer. Joey bleepin' Helmer, baby. At Joey Helmer 247-OUinsider.com. Okay. I've been taking inventory of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Some of you obviously don't know the rules about off-season time that coaches get with players, but I'll give you a pass. But there is a very, very good point about our quarterback conversation. That I want to get to next. Bottom of the hour, Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day. And as always, we're spending our Thursday at Cavens Construction, CavensConstruction.com. It's the Plank Show. All right, I, I, I like this text because it brings up a really, really good question. It's a Plank Show right here on The Ref uh, with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Oh, hold on here. All right, here it is. And this this has to do with 
the overall concern about like not getting a quarterback? And I think this is a fair question. From the 405. Plank, I think most people are worried that if Nick Evers or General Booty aren't good enough to play in front of Davis Bevel, then we're in deep S, and it is imperative to find another quarterback in the portal. And let's be truthful. Gabriel has serviceable has uh, Gabriel has been serviceable. He has been far from spectacular. All right, I agree. Um, were you worried in 2006 when Sam Bradford couldn't couldn't beat out Paul Thompson? Were you worried because Paul was playing instead of him and then he didn't get the chance to start till 07 when he redshirted in 06? You're were you worried? a strong point. Were you worried when Jason White had to redshirt – or, excuse me, when Jason White lost a quarterback battle to Nate Hibble in 2001? Listen, you all need to calm down on that. Nick Evers is a true freshman. True freshman – playing as quarterbacks are anomalies. Caleb Williams last year, he's the anomaly. Trevor Lawrence, they're the anomalies. More often than not, the true freshman comes in and needs a year. Look at Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers was the bell of the ball, the greatest thing anyone who covers recruiting has ever seen. Not only does he stink, but he couldn't even crack the lineup. His freshman season. And I know I've got to be careful about saying he stinks because they put 49 on Oklahoma. Well, and also C.J. Stroud, pretty good quarterback. Yeah, C.J. Stroud's probably going to end up being the top pick in the draft. Bryce Young didn't even play his freshman year at Alabama. And not too many people were sold on Mac Jones. So I wouldn't bury the fact that Nick Evers wasn't called upon over Davis Bevel in Texas. That wouldn't be something to where I'm like, oh, gosh, go out and get every quarterback. Gabriel's got another year. Evers has grown, and you're bringing in a five-star, I think he's a five-star, in Jackson Arnold. Oh, and if you get to the point where things are bad enough to where you get to your fourth-string quarterback by that point, I think you're kind of bleeped anyway. And y'all need to let the general booty dream go. It's a cool name. It's a fun T-shirt. If that guy steps on the field outside of spring ball, we're in deep doo-doo. So, yeah. What more do you want? Well, I just, there's not, Caleb Williams isn't transferring back. Uh, C.J. Stroud's not going to play another year and going to play at Oklahoma. Bryce Young isn't Lee. Though I did like Lane Kiffin's idea for Bryce Young. Remember what he said in the offseason? Heck, if I was a quarterback that just won the Heisman Trophy, I'd go in the portal and uh, I'd make myself available to the highest bidder. Uh, my, and, and Joey brought this up, and I, I understand, man. I'm not saying you're wrong for thinking that way. Um, but we're in a situation where more than anything – that's not the biggest issue for this team this offseason. And I thought, Josh, I thought you put it real well yesterday when we got in this fight. Not fight, but just this um, Discussion. kind of point, of point of information is maybe things change. Maybe once Jackson Arnold gets his name on that dotted line and they know he's coming to Oklahoma, maybe they look a little deeper and say, all right, let's get a little bit more experienced 
uh, competition in here. But as it stands right now, they got like six dudes at quarterback on the roster. How much are you commit to that position? I'll be surprised if when it's all said and done, Oklahoma doesn't add one quarterback out of the transfer portal just because I'm sort of expecting a couple of quarterbacks from OU to leave. Right? I mean, yeah, you think just, so, right. Just an off-season shuffling. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. But to Brent Venable's point, he doesn't feel like they're in the business for trying to have to go upgrade the roster at the quarterback position. At the quarterback, right. Which which I think is the, the crux of the conversation. And I don't know that – I mean, I don't think Brent Venables is wrong in that respect. I think Dylan Gabriel, though he's uh, receiving some criticism here, he, he's he's a definite starting caliber quarterback. He is. Agreed. Agreed. All right. A um, couple more here real quick before we get to the top five stories today. We're at Cavens Construction on a Thursday. That's Josh on Plank. This is the home of Sooner fans. If you missed any of our six interviews on the show today, look at us. We had Bill Blankenship on the program, the head football coach of the Owasso Rams. We had Brett Beller, the head football coach of the Washington Warriors, and we had Justin Jones, the head coach of Norman North, plus Joey Helmer, as well as our buddies Gary and Chris here at Cavens Construction. You can find it on the podcast page. Uh, simply go to kref.com and find the podcast page. They'll all be up. They will all be up in English after the show. This was pretty good. Uh, and in fact, Josh, when Sooner Gary's text came in, you wanted to get to it right away, and we were in the middle of uh, a couple of interviews. Sooner Gary writes, Nick Saban, the greatest head coach in college football, went 9-2 and two his first year at Toledo. His first four years in Michigan State, he went 25-22. and 22. By today's standards and lack of patience, he would have been fired after that four years at Michigan State and labeled a bust. Let's get Brent at least three years to prove himself. He may be really great. Or he may be a bust, but at least give it a chance to play out before judging him as a good head coach or not. Ding, ding, ding. That's where you know I'm at with it. Is it? I, I like that. That's that's my favorite approach. It's not the most rewarding approach for some people because some of you are crazy people, and that's fine. But, you know, how many people in Ann Arbor wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh? Right? How many people wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh after eight and five? They lost four straight bowl games. They went eight and five, lost in the Peach Bowl, finished 14th in the country, 10 and three, nine and four, the disastrous COVID year at two and four. And what did they do in all six of those seasons? Well, five of the seasons when the game was played. Remember, they didn't play Ohio State and Michigan in 2020. He lost every year to Ohio State. And typically got waxed. Waxed, right? And now all of a sudden, you know, I, I honestly, dude, I don't know how good Michigan is this year. I don't know. But they're undefeated. And they control their own destiny to get into the college football playoffs. And they were 12-2, and two, um, finished number three in the country. Now they got smoked in the Orange Bowl but they played in the four-team playoff. I don't expect anyone to have six years of patience, but in those six years, there were moments of, hey, we're going to be okay. Yet they still wanted him gone, and they've been rewarded. Um, sometimes you pull the trigger too soon, and you give up on a guy, and you watch him go somewhere else, and you're like, oh, could Bill Belichick be doing in Cleveland what's going on in New England right now? Not good, right? You just don't know. 
I listen, I'm getting a great lesson in this in patience with my NFL team. I don't have any, right? I have a team that went ten and seven last year, made the playoffs. Now they made the playoffs despite giving up I think it was ninety in two games to the Chiefs. Right? And maybe having one of the worst defenses to make the playoffs in the history of ever. But they were gritty, they were gutty. Uh, and now suddenly they can't win a close football game. 6-0 and in those games last year's one-score games, 0-6 this year. But you know what? I've got to have patience. And I know that it sucks. Because I'm like, they got these players right here. What are you doing? You brought in this guy and that guy. I get it. I understand it. And trust me, to me, culture building is a completely different world in college than it is in the pro. I think pros quote unquote culture building is all about having the best players at the very least in college i think you could create something no at the end of the day it's about having the best players it's a sweet little double-edged sword that i live every single day um joe writes usc tcu and others had better recruiting talent Venables is demanding and some of these guys won't even buy won't ever buy in so he needs a few years to weed out the weak kids Venables has had top five teams from o, from Kansas State, OU previously, and Clemson. Why wouldn't someone believe Venables is going to get it right? Always remember, the last time in 2011 when fans wanted to change a defensive coordinator, and so he went to Clemson and won two titles. Yeah, um, J-Rod, I remember your consistent text to my show, yeah, get Brent vulnerables out there. I mean, people were mad. And now he, it was like, Three years after he left, you're like, oh, no. He's really good. I, I'll never forget, Josh, whenever Brent left for – Curtis might not remember this. But when Brent left for Clemson, I don't know if just Curtis Lofton happened to be listening. Pop can jog my memory maybe. But, like, Curtis Lofton called our show in Tulsa on 1430 The Buzz. Yeah. And was adamant, dude. He was like, we are losing – the best coach, period. We're going to be in trouble for a while. And he was right. He was right. But, but again, you know, this is a different world. You're not a defensive coordinator. You're a head coach. And you're over everything. There's this. There is this from the 405. Wait a minute. When the national media criticized the hire and the fan base's expectation of greatness continued, because Brent had never been a head coach. We said that was absurd. He has rings. He's been working towards this moment for years. Now we're saying, of course, Brent should be given a pass because he's never been a head coach like Sonny Dykes. Notre Dame is 7-3, and three, ranked 18th with a first-time head coach. I think we'd take that right now. There's a lot no, of truth you there. There's a lot of well, truth Well, I'll there. say this. I'll say this. Number one, Marcus Freeman did get to coach this team last year. And I'm not, de- I'm not defending this. I'm bringing up facts. Number two, so you would have been happy if OU would have lost to, say, Kent State. Because Notre Dame lost to Marshall. So you would have been happy if OU went ahead and lost to Nebraska. Because Notre Dame lost to a team that's worse than Nebraska and Stanford. You wouldn't be happy. Notre Dame won one game of relevance. They beat Clemson. Right? Syracuse is done. But they beat Clemson. And I right, we take that. If Oklahoma would have been able to beat, but don't don't pretend like Marcus Freeman is building miracles 
at Notre Dame right now. He's done a really nice job in turning this thing around. But he's also, he had a full off season where he knew he was going to be the head coach. And, oh, by the way, they tanked in some early games too. So I like what he's doing. Yes, they're up to 18. But is any other team with their resume at 18, if their name isn't Notre Dame, probably not. So calm down just a little bit on Marcus Freeman. I like him a lot too. It's a fair comparison. But he's not working miracles right now at Notre Dame. He's doing a nice job. And if you're sitting here at OU at 7-3 and three, and you had lost to Kent State and Nebraska on this schedule, you'd be pissed too. But it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Don't pretend like you'd be sitting here happy. Oh, yeah, we're great. Uh, let's see. There's a couple more here. Now you know what? I'm good. Unless there was any more on the prep page that you wanted to get to. Because it's now back and forth versus the uh, experience versus non-experience conversation that we hit in the middle of last hour. And now it's rekindled here in the final hour of the show. Yeah, it's, you know, to me it's – not about comparisons with Marcus Freeman and Dan Lanning and Sonny Dykes. It's about this text right here. OU, 5-5, five and five, not acceptable ever. And really, that's where we're at, right? And so the forgiveness thing, okay, there can be some of that. There can be a learning curve for sure. Brent Venables. But like I said earlier, the, the forgiveness is done. Now it's time to start sure. turning the corner and winning football games. And I think, generally speaking, everybody's kind of on the same page there. Yep, exactly. Um, and it's fun to see the back and forths now. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's uh, let's get caught up on the top five stories of the day presented by Newcastle Casino right here on the route. All right, let's uh, get after it here now. We're three brought to you by Mop and Roofing. I told Josh I wish I could just take a – well, I guess I could. Some of this is in – I wish I could take a screenshot of the last – what would you say, Josh? 20 text messages <laughs> – that we've had in the last uh, like three minutes. Uh, well, maybe maybe six minutes. I think I can summarize for you. Five and Go five ahead. is unacceptable. Give Brent time. You guys don't understand. Forty five percent of the roster is new. On and on and on and on. It's pretty. Much it's that. pretty good back and forth, guys. I told Josh it's it's amazing to see. You you said it best yesterday, and it's going to continue. Because, you know, all you people that are magically would be happy at happy at seven and three. Oh, Marcus Freeman, seven and three. Why can't we do that? Because you bitch about seven and three. Language, sorry, sorry. Earmuffs. I'll be better. Earmuffs. You would. I'd be mad. <laughs> I'd be mad too. Yeah. Look. And then there, oh, here oh, comes. Oh, you that. fans would be upset with nine and one. Okay. <laughs> right. They were mad at eight no last year. But they're about at eight. No, I do think there would be a faction of the fan base that would be able to stomach things a little bit better. If you look, if this team had beaten Baylor in West Virginia, it would be a wildly different conversation today. It just would. Oh, then you would be seven and three. There you go. <laughs> um, not winning the last two or maybe a third game is not going to change your opinion. It's just it is what it is. It's just it's wild to see this roller coaster that we're riding and this off season of infighting that is just getting started. Some of you people, I love you, but you're crazy. Some of you people, I love you, but you're soft. Some of you people, I love you, but you're a bigger homer than me. Some of you people, I love you, but you're probably so critical you criticize your son's performance in his third-grade football game. So That's right. It's just, I mean, I, I get it. It's fine. All different shapes and types. 
and all different opinions. And it is, my friends, all over the board. So with that in mind, let's uh, deep breath, and let's hit the top five stories of the day. Presented by Newcastle Casino, let's go. Wait for it. Hang on one second. <laughs> it would, would help if I was okay. prepared, you know? Sorry. I, 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 I didn't, you know. Okay, you here good? we go. Everything okay? We rolling? Let's do it. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. By the way, I can't stop laughing. I've got, uh, we've had, here we're at Cavens on a Thursday, and Gary always takes care of us. We've got two big screen TVs in here, and I, they keep showing that final play of the Eagles game when they roughed Heineke. And I don't know what's funnier to me. The absolute flop by Heineke uh, or Josh, him jumping up and pointing first down like it was some incredible play that he made. <laughs> but I guess it worked, so oh, there you go. Top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino, where real gamers go to play. Big story number five. Number five. Oh. Did Josh Helmer find himself watching any, and I do mean any, college basketball last night? Um, n- no, unfortunately. I-, I would have liked to have been watching some college hoops, but look, I had some other. Oh, that's uh, right. Some other responses. You were in the midst of uh, coaches' shows, right, last night for uh, for our high school football coverage? I-, I did. Well, I had a Norman North Band show, which thank you to the texter that. Chris and Norman that texted in and said, uh, good job on the band show last night. Thank you. That's why we do it. I have a question. Yes, please. Now, I want to make this very clear. I'm a band nerd. I love the band. What can you talk about on a band show, Josh? Uh, quite a bit. Quite a bit. The okay. you know All preparation right. and you know how uh, – it's it's you know I, I was really proud of myself. I, I got all dorky with it last night. Is it like the wand chooses the wizard, Harry, with a particular instrument? Does an <laughs> instrument just speak to you? <laughs> I uh, it's funny because we've had Brian Britt on before, the director of bands at the University of Oklahoma, and uh, he's always told me he's like, listen, man, this thing's more in depth than you could ever imagine. He's like, each instrument's like a coordinator. I retract that. Kudos to you. And even dropping a Harry Potter reference. Well, what you missed last night without watching some college hoops was quite the statement made by the University of Texas. Now, I know I'm, I'm careful to say anything here. No, you love because... Texas. You, give, you compliment <laughs> Texas every other day on the show now. Hey, by the way, I did compliment him about a week ago, and I still have a friend of mine that's mad at me for it. It's like, <laughs> got to give Texas all the props. But I'm also careful because I don't want to make Tectina or both of our Red Raider listeners mad at me, but in that atmosphere, Chris Beard has helped create the drum or something. They beat Gonzaga last night, smoked them 93-74. The Horns improved to 3-0 in the country, beat former Big 12 foe Gonzaga by 19. Houston, Arkansas, Michigan, and Tennessee. All pickup wins in the top 25 last night. Oklahoma men's basketball team back in action tomorrow night against South Alabama. And they're not alone in the Big 12 uh, on a – well, you got two Big 12 games tonight, both on ESPN Plus. 
uh, 7 o'clock, UL Monroe at TCU, and then Kansas City at Kansas State. And then I mentioned tomorrow night a little bit of a deeper slate. How about Virginia at Baylor tomorrow night in addition to that South Alabama game against Oklahoma, UCF and OSU, and uh, Penn takes on West Virginia while Southern Utah travels to Kansas. Big 24 to 48 hours in the Big 12, of course, magnified by Texas in its 19-point win over Gonzaga. Big story number four. Number four. We'll hustle, Josh. OU women's basketball team handed its first loss on the road in hostile territory. They fall to Utah, one twenty-four to seventy-eight. I got a little carried away after I turned it off. One twenty-four, seventy-eight. The final score. No worries. They're gonna be all right. Um, upcoming for the OU women's basketball team is a showdown with UT Arlington on the twentieth. So that would be on a Sunday when they take on UT Arlington inside uh, in Fort Worth. At 3.30. All right, big story number two, number three? Number three. All right, I've got an NFL story for you, Josh. We are on snow watch for the Buffalo game this weekend. According to reports, now this seems a little bit uh, obscene to me, but three to six feet. You hear that right? Three to six feet are expected in the Browns-Bills game this weekend. Um, there has been talks about potentially moving the game. That has There's a precedent for it. It would move it likely to a Monday night. But three to six feet, Josh Helmer, should we even try to play football in those types of settings? I say yes. Are you? Should we? Absolutely. I think as soon as it starts snowing, even if it's the day before, we play the game a day early so we can play it in the weather conditions for my <laughs> entertainment. Uh, Baker Mayfield will start this weekend for the Carolina Panthers after an injury to P.J. Walker. And tonight you get the Titans and the Packers. Not a bad Thursday night football game in advance of a full Sunday action here in Week 11. Big story number two. Number two. I guess in a lot of ways, Big Story 2 kind of ties in with Big Story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Yeah, just a lot of college football notes that lead into Oklahoma and OSU on Saturday night. Uh, UCLA announced that they will have a sellout for Saturday against USC. A sellout at the Rose Bowl. Um this will be Dorian Thompson-Robinson's fifth rivalry game against USC since arriving in Westwood. Isn't that the same for Spencer Sanders, too? No, it's just Spencer Sanders' fourth. Um, and all eyes are on the Pac-12 this weekend. Not only USC and UCLA Saturday night at 7 o'clock on Fox, but also Oregon and Utah late Saturday night on ESPN. Boy, there was a time when I was kind of excited for Georgia and Kentucky, but that's fallen downhill. And then again, TCU at Baylor. You give any chance for TCU to be on upset alert Saturday night? I kind of do. How could you not, right? Got to be on upset alert. Big story one. Let's wrap it up with some Bedlam talk when we come back. We tiered the Big 12 yesterday on Big 12 Radio. I'll pose it quickly for Josh, and then we'll get some final notes on any injury situations for OU OSU next right here on The Ref. Uh, a little breaking news in college basketball. John Rothstein, 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 
is reporting that Doc Sadler is joining Porter Moser's staff. This is March rostering. Uh, Tulsa basketball fans probably remember Doc Sadler as the many-time next head coach at TU, right up there with Mike Anderson uh, in the day. But Doc Sadler, <laughs> Doc Sadler, the new head basketball, the new assistant, special assistant to the head coach for Porter Moser. All right, what so an award. We, uh, yeah, I know what an honor. I was, I was in the mix for the Tulsa job a lot. So here's how the. The tiers went yesterday in the Big 12 and Big 12 today, Josh. Uh, TCU all alone in Tier 1. Okay. Kansas State essentially all alone in Tier 2. Tier 3, there was quite a battle, but Baylor, Texas, OSU stayed there. Tier 4 was Tech and Kansas, and Tier 5 was Iowa State, West Virginia, OU. That's exactly, when I wrote it down, that's exactly how I had it, though, I almost want to put Oklahoma State in Tier 4. Me if, too. If, I, that if, was my fight. If, if Sanders is – his health is where we think it's at, they're not a very good football team without him at uh, full capacity. So I, I would debate on them. I, I guess I'll leave them in Tier 3 right now. But otherwise, I think I agree with it. Definitely TCU 1, K-State 2. I, I want to have – an in-depth conversation with OSU fans, or at least an OSU fan. Someone has to hate listen to this show, right? But you and I were talking about Spencer Sanders and kind of the changing perception of him. Is it truly that OSU fans are, like, bought in that this is the dude and he's awesome, or is it just a matter of options? What does Chris Rock say? Only as faithful as your options? Is that what it is for Oklahoma State? Is it a matter of, eh, you know, that backup situation doesn't look too good. <laughs> Is that what this is? That's part of it. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about it more tomorrow on an OEC Fiber Football Friday. For Josh, I'm playing Steelman and Thune at noon next.